0: All right, Debbie and I had a wild week and a half, to say the least. We left here last Wednesday and uh, drove to, where were we? Peoria, Illinois, that's right, and spent 10 days there. First three days with the Track 4 Conference for Families. I spoke last Friday, and that was a pretty exhausting day because I spoke twice to I had an hour and a half session with and then an out and then a before lunch and then an hour session after lunch with the adults and then I had another the same thing with teens afterwards. so you need to say Friday was a little bit fried, but it went very well had wonderful response. Um, we'll see what God does with it from here but um, anyway, so that was the families conference <clears throat> and then the rest of, starting Sunday night, is when we went into the actual Thrive training. And the th- whole Thrive concept is based upon, really, the power of joy. And uh, joy in a very specific sort of way. And just as a reminder for you that, um, the, the, you know, it's, it's amazing, and I'm, we're going to spend some time this morning looking at a number of joy, scriptures about joy. But it's amazing how right now the new advances in scientific ability to scan the brain and uh, spec scans and stuff is teaching us some really powerful things about joy. And joy, secular non-Christian scientists have come to define as being with someone who's genuinely glad to be with you. Okay? That when you are with someone who is genuinely, authentically glad to be with you, that not by words but by nonverbal communication that happens uh, six cycles per second which means it starts happening before you and I are even aware of it our brains pick up on the fact that someone else is glad to be with us and what that does is the joy uh, Ed Curry had a great analogy for it as it's like miracle grow for your brain (laughs) okay that when the the brain was, God designed the brain to operate in this rhythm of joy and quiet. And when the brain is in joy, it's like like putting, it's like miracle grow in a pot that creates the chemistry that allows the brain to grow most efficiently. Now, the cool part about this is that the part of your brain that grows primarily through joy, um, like Zevian right now, has almost none of it. Okay, there is a void in our front of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, that we're born with 35% of our brain just absent, okay, and the way that grows is through this rhythm of joy and quiet, okay, that's why it's so significant right now how much time Janelle and Nick and others spend holding Zevian, Um, he is, is, how old is he now? Ten weeks, okay, so his optical nerves and stuff have kicked in, and so now now he's just now beginning to be able to see well enough that he goes from um, scent and touch to where his primary joy receptor is his eyes. And he sees that through his parents. He sees that through others. And so, you know, the reality is that when you play with a baby and you share joy with them, that you are building that joyful part of the brain. Okay? It says at about nine months old, a baby will want to spend up to eight hours a day building joy. That's why moms don't get moms, if they're good moms, don't get much done. So, dads, if the house is a wreck, dishes aren't done, or et cetera, et cetera, just be thankful because your wife is your your child's mom is doing the most important thing possible and that is pouring joy into a child. Okay, But what's critical to understand is that it's a rhythm. It's, it's not just joy all the time. It's joy and quiet. And the way that is, I wish Zevine were just a little bit older and we could actually demonstrate it for you, which would really be cool, but maybe during restarting we can. But anyway. The way that actually works is that as you look at a child and, you know, there's something about a small child, Zevian's age, a little bit older, whatever, that, you know, it just naturally prompts joy within us. I mean, most of us at least, except for those of us who are just in sheer terror of, oh no, somebody's handed me a baby and I'll maybe rake them, (laughs) okay? But there's just something joyful about being handed a baby. And so when you look at a baby with joy in your eyes, the baby picks that up. And the baby responds back with joy. And what's really cool is every time it bounces back and forth, it gets amplified. And Jim Wilder has a great analogy of that. He calls it climbing Joy Mountain. Okay. Now, the one inherent thing about that, though, is, is that joy is almost like a muscle that you can only do so much at a time. And especially a, a baby, an infant, you know, they're just beginning. So guess what happens when they get full of joy? They start to get overwhelmed. And you can actually overwhelm a child with positive joy just as well as you can with negative things. And so what a baby does is a baby when, or a baby, what a baby naturally does is when the baby reaches all the joy they can get, they look down to the left to break the rhythm. And they rest. Now, if you have um, and if you, uh, if you were trained well as a child, if your mother, father, people in your world understood this, not necessarily understood it intellectually, but it was, it's downloaded to them, then they download it to you as well. And what happens is if your, your mother especially or your parents involved with you knew this or understood this or just had it imprinted in them, then they would allow you to rest. And that the adult brain, the bigger brain, always allows the younger brain to lead. And when I say lead, what I mean by that is that, um, well, like some particular person that I won't name, not here, um, not... Ah, uh, I'll never hear it. Um, no, 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 not here. Some particular person in my family who shall remain nameless has no concept of this, Okay. And what I mean by that is that, that it's often common for adults to use, because it feels good to an adult too, okay? So it's often common for an adult to, in essence, use a child to get their joy built. And so when a child's brain that's smaller, that has less capacity, looks away and gaze averts, guess what an adult brain, well, infant-level brain actually, but infant-level brain in an adult body, guess what it does? Well, it's it starts poking at the child and making noises and and making the child come back to him before the child is ready. And that actually creates even more trauma than not connecting does, they showed. Okay? But for an adult brain that understands this or that's been trained well, then understands and allows the child to rest, and then when the child looks up and wants to reconnect connects with the child and does another repetition till the child goes away. And you can go through this rhythm, joy, quiet, joy, rest, joy, rest. And it's like weightlifting training for an infant. <laughs> okay, it's weight training for their brain. And the more repetitions they do, the more joy they grow in the brain. Now, where this is especially significant and important is the part of our brain that that grows is our control center. It is the most important part of your brain. Okay? Because it's the part of your brain that takes over, um, that has power over cravings. You know, it's the part of the child's brain that when a child becomes an adult, is able to say no to temptation from the sense of, you know, the third piece of dessert or the porn spam email or et cetera, et cetera it's the part that tames the cravings okay it's also what this joy quiet process does is it builds capacity in the brain the more we go through these cycles the stronger the brain gets and the more we're able to handle in life okay have you ever been in a situation where something happened or you were in enough pain uh, maybe you didn't even know what the pain was. Maybe it was just attachment pain, triggered some way or another. You don't even know where it came from, what it was, but you're in so much pain that you stop acting like yourself. You start doing things to a spouse or to a child or to someone else. That later on, when you're able to get your relational circuits back on, when you're able to kind of, take, you know, when you're able to think straight. When you're sane and in your right mind again, you think back, why in the world did I do that? I knew better than that. Okay? That is a desynchronization of the brain that comes because our, whatever our pain is has just exceeded our capacity. Okay? And we're going to jump into Scripture here in a minute, but I just wanted you to have an overview of why this is so important. Because um, well, Ed Curry put it really well. He said, you know, so much of the time, especially in churches, we, um, we, treat pe- we, we put people in places, authority, and positions, not based upon maturity, but based on give- gifting. And what I mean by that is, I'm a prime example. Okay, From the time I was in high school, I gave my first sermon, I think when I was in eighth grade, to a church of, I don't know, it was Sunday night, there's probably 400 people there. Okay? Did not bother me a bit. Did not scare me a bit. I loved it. It's exciting. This is great. Okay? And so out of that, I was always gifted and able to talk to people. I was also gifted with being able to um, take the intellectual, verbal part of Scripture and apply it and to teach it. But guess what? My joy capacity was very low. And my maturity, and maturity and capacity, and we'll talk about that more later, are always very closely connected. And so while I had the intellectual abilities, and the verbal abilities, and the speaking abilities to be able to talk to people, and to get up in front of people, and you know, some of you are sitting there thinking, there's no way in the world I would get in front of this small group, let alone a big deal, okay? Um, I understand that is uh, one of the biggest fears for most people. Okay, I cannot comprehend that. It has never been a fear for me. And I know, I'm not saying that to brag. It's just how God wired me. It's how God gifted me. But see, here's the point I want you to see, is that because my joy capacity was low and because my corresponding maturity was low, I was an adult infant in ministry from the time I was pretty much 18 years old. And God spoke through me. He did some neat things through me. But I couldn't grow people up. I couldn't have long-term effect in their lives because the only thing I was dealing with was the left side of their brain. And just a quick reminder there, too, the left side of our brain is what stores all verbal, logical information. Okay? Anything to do with words, descriptions, etc., Information. And I was really good at information. I was a Bible Bowl whiz kid. I practically memorized the book of Acts in seventh grade for a Bible Bowl competition. Missed, you know, I, I forget how many rounds we went. We'd go 20 questions around um, for a whole day, probably 10 rounds or more, and I didn't miss a single question. Okay? I had all the information. Okay? But that information, because the left side of our brain is the last level of our brain, is totally inaccessible when our brain desynchronizes. So all the information in the world was absolutely useless to me because my pain and my fears kicked in. And so as a result of that, I ended up living a life of addiction. A life of shame, a life of preaching on Sunday mornings and in misery all week, and then repenting on Friday or Saturday and trying to ask God to somehow give me some words to say, and it was as close to hell on earth as I can imagine, okay? And I know that that phrase, hell on earth, is an extreme understatement. We cannot grasp that. We cannot grasp what it would be to be totally separated from God. But it was as close as I could imagine. And in that process, I missed incredible opportunities for what God was wanting to do. Okay. So that's kind of a backdrop I want to give you. And I just want to walk you through some scriptures. Because um, in case you think this is just psychological mumbo-jumbo... Um, Scripture actually talks a lot about joy and talks about its importance and the significance of it. And I never once heard a single one of these verses or joy emphasized in any of the training I did. I never noticed it myself in all my own study. And I've read many of these passages because my joy level was so low that I was incapable of really comprehending this. Okay? Okay. But I want us to watch this and just see some things. First of all, what we need to see is that the joy joy is our strength. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8, 10. Okay? Um, We sing that, you know, sometimes we'll sing, uh, I'm trading my sorrows. And there's a refrain in there, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay? Now, think about how how that really plays out. Okay? Uh, Imagine... Uh, capacity when I let me backtrack and explain a little bit about capacity okay um let me steal your coffee cup John okay if this is my capacity say this is how much joy I have in life if I had a one gallon pitcher of here of pain what would happen if I started pouring that pain into this cup cup couldn't handle it okay Think of capacity in that way. Okay? The more capacity you build, the bigger your container is. Okay? If my capacity through the, through the growth of joy and quiet in my life grows to be a five-gallon bucket, what happens if I pour that gallon of water into it? I can handle it just fine. Okay? That's part of what God's saying here. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The more joy we experience in relationship to God, the bigger our capacity gets. Okay? Um, Romans 14.7 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, my understanding of the kingdom of God prior to recovery, prior to being introduced to the life model stuff, was... The, basically I would have rephrased this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of information and knowing the word of God in the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's, where I, that's how I thought you grew, by getting more information. Now please understand, I believe the word of God is, is an incredibly important part of our walk. Okay? But we must remember that it's a part, and it's designed to take us to Jesus and to God, not to become God. In fact, that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He says, in essence, your problem is you've made Scripture your God, and because you've made Scripture your God, you've been unable to see God standing right in front of you. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, Hebrews 12.2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Okay, think about this capacity thing again. Okay, how much capacity does it take to take the sins of the world on your shoulders and endure being separated from your father and the excruciating pain of physical crucifixion? And yet, what does the writer of Hebrews tells us was his strength for doing that? The joy set before him. Jesus, because of his intimate relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, had grown a joy capacity that was able to suffer well. Okay, an important point here is the difference between suffering and trauma. Okay? Okay? Um, Suffering is something that's painful, but we're able to not exceed our capacity, not be destabilized in our brain, and it hurts, it stinks, we don't want to go through it, but we're still able to be ourselves in that place. Okay, think of how that applies to Jesus. How was he himself, while on the cross, suffering? You remember anything he did or said on the cross? he was selfless he looked down he saw his mother and he saw John and he said John behold your mother in other words John I need you to take care of mom for me is that like Jesus to look at what other people need to the soldiers and the people around him he prayed father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing is it like him to forgive others Okay, to a thief on the cross, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Is it like him to speak salvation to others? Okay, when I'm... Okay, that's the difference between suffering and trauma. Jesus was, I don't believe Jesus was ever in trauma, though he suffered well. Do you see the distinction? Because in trauma, you stop acting like yourself. Okay, when my brain desynchronizes... I say ugly mean things to Debbie and my kids because my pain has exceeded my capacity. Okay? Other passages. Joy is why Jesus spoke to us. John 15:11. He says, "I've told you this so that my joy that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete." Okay? Jesus is saying, I'm telling you these things. I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you for what purpose? So your joy capacity can be great. So it can be complete. So that the fullness of my joy can be in you. Okay, think about this. Um, How much informational didactic teaching did Jesus do? for his disciples? Very little. Most of his teaching was in living life with them. Most of his teaching was in story form. Okay? Because story registers in, that, in the right side of our brain. Okay? Now, don't get, let, let me explain. There is a place for didactic, informational teaching. I'm not going to stop teaching through Romans, because I think there's powerful things there for us to understand. But what's important for us to recognize is that that joy is the reason Jesus spoke what he spoke to his disciples, because he's building that relationship. He's building their capacity. He's building that connection, okay? Joy is also why Jesus said we should pray. John 15, 11, he says this. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and notice the result. And your joy will be complete. Your bucket's going to get bigger. Why? Because Jesus understands that as our joy is completed, then we can quit going to trauma, because guess what we do in trauma? We traumatize others. Okay, whenever we're in trauma, we pass that trauma on to other people. Okay, but as our joy builds, as it becomes more complete, then we're able to respond as we truly are. We're able to respond from the heart that Jesus gave us. We're able to be who he created us to be. Okay, so Jesus says that's why you should pray. You should ask God to Give you what you need so that your joy can be complete. Relationships, connections, etc., etc. Okay?
1: It's also interesting
0: that joy is the youngest emotion. Okay? Elizabeth speaking to Mary says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Okay? They're even beginning to understand now that, that, you know, well, we got Maggie back there on the back row as our example here. Okay? They're, they're, they're even now understanding how impactful it is in the womb for, for a mom to be relaxed and be in this rhythm of joy and quiet and to sing and talk to her baby in utero. And that babies respond to that. Okay, It is amazing, amazing stuff. And scripture gives us some glimpses of it. Now, did Elizabeth understand the science? No. Did the Holy Spirit, who kept this response from her, in scripture? Yeah, I think so. Okay? Joy is also why we fellowship. He says in Luke, Luke 1, it says, I have much... That passage is not right. This should be 2 John 2. I... Second John 2.12, I believe. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face-to-face. Underline that face-to-face, so that your joy may be complete. Okay? And there's a real critical point here. And, you know, we talk about this a lot in our recovery groups. It's why coming to group is so important for, build, for, for raising our capacity. It's because it's in face to face encounters that we build joy. Okay? Think about that in the context of how our world is moving communication wise. Okay? Um, Yesterday at the hotel, after I, I took some books out to the car or whatever, I came back in through the front door, and there were three girls. Not a one of them could have been as old as Grace. And they were all staring into their phones texting. My guess is they may have been texting each other. I mean, Grace's friend will call her on the phone and tell her to get online so they can chat. Okay? What I want you to see by that is the further, further distance we are trying, we are moving from face-to-face joyful relational connections. And that's a real scary thing when you understand both the science behind it and what Scripture says. You know, it almost makes you wonder, could, could the enemy of our hearts have a very diabolical plan in this? Absolutely. Visit face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. Okay? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 says that we are each other's joy. He says, for this, For what is our hope? our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Okay? That makes a lot more sense why community and relationship is spoken so much of in scripture. Now, the irony of that is that I taught a lot on community and relationship when my joy was next to nothing. Nothing. And while I taught a lot on it, guess how much I actually experienced and engaged in? Very little. In fact, I can vividly remember 10 years ago or so, many times needing to communicate something and knowing I should call or go visit someone and just, it was like, "Eh, okay, I'll send them an email. Okay, same information but without the joyful connection we are each other's joy that's why we need to be together that's why we need to share life together that's why we need to be looking one another's very consciously looking one another in the eyes because that is where it's communicated in face-to-face connection with one another okay um, there's also a powerful part here about joy in God's face um, there it is. I was really tired <laughs> when I was putting this together, so the, the thoughts I think are clear if the slides are not. Okay, um, Acts 2.28, which is a quote from Psalms, says, you have made known to me the path of, paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Okay, Now, for you and I, we need to be face to face. It happens eye to eye. I am 100% thoroughly convinced that God has a supernatural ability to do it when we can't physically see Him. Okay? But guess what? It requires to be in relational connection with Him. Okay? It requires be having our relational circuits on, it requires being in intimacy with Him in worship. And in prayer and in fellowship with one another, but as we experience God with us, He builds our joy. Okay, that's one of the reasons I love the Emmanuel process. Um, Friday night, I, I led a woman through Emmanuel process, and it was so cool. Where God took her and just um, she's a woman who loves gardening and flowers and plants and etc. And He took her into her backyard. And he let her just see the glory of his creation and a sunset over the lake behind her house. And then through, a, you know, just on and on through places. And finally, where it ended up was, was um, I asked her to ask Jesus the question, if I am your garden, what do you see? And so I'm sitting back here thinking, oh, I know where this is going and i'm expecting her at any moment to say oh i see this beautiful garden and she's going to describe flowers and plants that i don't know the names of but she and debbie would <laughs> and instead she just you know she just kind of she says i see these wonderful waterfalls and this incredible plant life all around it and i asked her and what about weeds do you see any weeds no there's not a single weed why because through Christ Jesus, we're completely forgiven. And so when God sees us, he sees us perfect. And what a powerful image for her to see and experience God seeing her that way. Okay? Do you see how that can... And how did I end up way over there? I didn't do that. At least not intentionally. Stay. Okay? Okay? Do you see how the presence of Emmanuel was filling her with joy? And guess what? I think that today her joy bucket is larger. Now, is that one experience with Emmanuel enough to fix everything? No. But it increased her joy bucket. And the same thing is true for you and me. Whenever we connect with Jesus, he stretches us a little bit more. Okay? Well, that brings us to a real important topic for me that we're gonna, you're going to be hearing a lot more about for a while. And that is the connection of maturity and joy. Okay? Over the last couple months, there's been numerous things that, you know, it's like God's just been pounding this point home that where we are both in our recovery ministry and New Hope and with people we work with, is I believe that God is calling us to put the power of joy to work to specifically address maturity issues. Okay? And a couple things before we get into this that you need to recognize. First of all is that maturity and value have absolutely no connection. Okay? Okay? Zevian's back there asleep on Debbie's shoulders, okay? Um, you know, is he of any less value than your grandpa, who is an elder? Absolutely not. In fact, much of our world would almost say it's the other way around, <laughs> okay? So there is no connection between maturity and value,
1: And while it is
0: humbling if we look at ourselves honestly and and look at some maturity tasks and say, you know, I haven't accomplished that, so reality is I'm at infant or child level maturity. While that is a humbling thing to say, it's also an incredible opportunity for growth. Because when I recognize where I'm at and what's lacking, then I can ask God for what I need and I can begin specifically working on what's missing. Does that make sense to you? And that's really what the whole Thrive concept is about, is about using the power of joy and the the power of the rhythm between joy and quiet to build our capacity, to empower us to do the things we need to do to learn the tasks of maturity, so that we can move forward. Okay? I think that that... uh, Well, let me jump into a couple things. Another big theme of this week that was Debbie's big point as we were driving home yesterday is that relationship is bigger than the problem. Okay? If you think about it in the context of joy, it makes sense. It's always more important to be relationally connected to Jesus than whatever our problem is. And yet... In life, how easy is it to get so focused on the problem that the relationship with God or with others just gets lost? Okay? But this is a real important paradigm shift to, for us all to grab hold of. The relationship, relationship is always bigger than the problem. Okay? But then with that, uh, and I've talked about this quite a bit, rhythm of joy and quiet builds capacity which allows us to keep in focus that it's more important to stay relational than to solve the problem, okay? But then next, we need to recognize that capacity aids maturity, okay? For example, one of the childhood tasks is learning to do hard things, okay? If my capacity is really low and I have a hard task in front of me, guess what happens? The frustration of the hard tasks sends me to a place that I destabilize, and I'm not able to work through the hard task. But as my capacity grows, then I can suffer well and work through the hard task and learn to accomplish that task of maturity. Okay, Capacity and maturity are intricately related together. And capacity is one thing through the rhythm of joy and quiet that we can offer and help one another with, okay? Um, the next point on here is that maturity is our task and a primary work of the church, okay? And we could spend a lot of time talking about this, and this gets confusing at times, but it's important to recognize that redemption is always God's work. Healing, sanctification, forgiveness, um, And some other things, those fall under the redemptive side. And that's always God's work. We can't do that. Only He can do that. But guess what? Maturity is a task that He has given us to do. And God doesn't do it for us. And it's not a spiritual gift. It is a growth process that we grow into. Yes, we ask Him for help with it. Yes, we ask Him for guidance with it. But it's the task that we are given in life to learn to mature and to grow, okay? And that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. It says, it was he, speaking of Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay? And the next verse, if we, you know, if we went on with that, it says, so that you will no longer be infants tossed around like waves on the sea. Okay? Now, in my background, my heritage, we took that and said that maturity meant knowing more Scripture. Because if you know more scripture, then you won't be tossed around by the waves of false teachers, which in our context meant everyone else in the Christian realm. (laughs) Okay? But, But as I've thought more about this, especially this morning as I was kind of finalizing some of these things, I just realized how we've totally missed that. It's not about doctrine here, it's not about information, it's about maturity. It's about maturing through the the tasks, and I'm going to give you something as we finish up here in a minute, to help you look at where your maturity needs are. Because, see, if you live your life as an infant, guess what always happens? If you you are an adult infant who's not accomplished these tasks and learned to grow in maturity, guess what happens? Then whenever anything bad happens, you destabilize, and you're tossed back and forth like the waves. You can't be yourself you can't act like Christ in a situation because you've just you know the circuits are fried you know have you ever had a conversation with someone and they just got this glazed-over look on their face and you know that it doesn't matter what you say nothing's ever going to get in okay that's a sign of desynchronization okay it's not about information this becoming mature is learning to live out of the heart that Jesus has given us. That that every single one of us was created to be a unique reflection of the glory of God. And so ironically, what, what our growth process is learning to be ourselves in all circumstances. That as we grow, we learn to suffer well. And as we learn to suffer well, then even in painful, difficult places, we can still relate. We can still connect. Okay? It's kind of like, you know, one of the, one of the just pick one emotion quickly, you know, one of the places that's really hard for us to um, stay connected in is Anger. You know, anybody ever here been angry enough that it didn't that you lost track of the fact that somebody next to you you really care about, and you say something you regret, you do something you regret? Well, of course we all have, okay? Because we lose the ability to be ourselves. Okay, think about Jesus. Um, you know, we think of him being angry when he cleansed the temple, and I think he was. But in Mark chapter, I think it's Mark 2 or 3, Jesus is in the synagogue teaching, and a man with a withered hand is brought before him. And the the text there in Mark says very specifically that Jesus was ticked off. Okay? You're not going to find a text, you know, I'm probably not going to find that translation, but the word there is from the Greek, it's orge. Okay? That is the strongest word for anger there is in the Greek language. He was ticked off. And guess what he did when he was ticked off? He healed the man with the withered hand. Hmm. That sounds like something I do when I'm really beyond in the strongest pit of anger. But do you see the point? Jesus was able to experience extremely strong emotion and yet remain himself. And that is, I believe, a primary goal for each one of us, is to learn how to suffer well by building our capacity in relationship so that we are able to be ourselves and act out of the heart that Jesus gave us rather than act out of our hurt. Okay, well, how do we learn more of that? Well, in relationship, uh, we're also going to, um, well, I'm going to, and we leave in a minute, uh, I cop- photocopied the maturity checklists from the restarting deal. I just want to encourage each one of you to go through those and check them off. And every one of the tasks has a never, sometimes, usually, always, okay, And where you want to be, obviously, is in the usual always side. Okay? If you've got the boxes checked for um, a particular level, a bunch of them checked in the never side, then uh, the never or only sometimes side, then that's where your maturity is. Okay? Now, you can, you know, like for me, uh, it was some good confirmation this week that um, as we worked through some of that, that... I believe that God, is, God showed me that I'm at parent level maturity with a couple holes that go all the way back to some infant places. Okay? So you can have a, a general maturity level with a hole in a place where you're still struggling. But what I want you to see is that when, when several of the tasks of a particular level have not, if you've not attained those, then that's your maturity level. And again, what's important here is not as much being able to identify your level as it is being able to identify where your holes are. Because when you identify where your holes are, then it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, this is what I need to work on. And so part of what we're going to do to deal with that is we're going we're to do restarting again, starting in September sometime. And I know that most of you here have at least done part of restarting but let me really encourage you to pray about and do it again. Uh, I was talking to Ed Maritza, Ed Curry's the, the guy who does the teaching on there, and he said, yeah, he said, most of our people have found the third time through is when it really clicks. Okay? Um, Debbie, you know, I, I, she, she, you really let Debbie off the hook, because I was going to have Debbie talk about a couple things, but she's got Zevian sleeping too restfully on her shoulder. But, you know, that was one of the things that Debbie said. She said, you know, I just didn't recognize when we were going through restarting that telling the four-plus stories and these exercises were about building joy. Okay? There's probably many of those awarenesses for each of us as we go back through it again. Okay? Um, don't have all the details worked out. Don't know exactly when we're going to do it, but we're going to do restarting again. And part of why we're doing restarting again is because their next module, the belonging module, is in process, but it may be a long ways from filming. Um, but I had dinner with, we had dinner with Jim and Kitty Wilder on Sunday night a week ago, and I asked Jim, I said, well, could I, could I run a test group? And he kind of lit up and he said, you know, we were, wondering, we were thinking it would be good to have a third person do it. And I think God shown me who it's supposed to be. So, the really cool thing is, is that we're going to get to, it won't be on video, it will be me teaching the material. So, instead of Ed, you're stuck with me, but um, I'm thrilled about doing it, because I think it's, uh, they shared some of it through the, through the, through the training we were at this last week, and it's, it's just amazing, amazing stuff. And so, I just want to encourage you all to Um, look at what an incredible opportunity we have. You know, I really believe that someone at infant-level maturity could make it to adult-level maturity in a year's time if they pour into the relationship and the healing process. Okay? And here's a real critical thing. Adult-level maturity is so important. Because the primary difference between child level maturity and adult level maturity is that a child learns to take care of themselves, An adult can take care of themselves and someone else. Think of the implications of that in work, in life, in ministry, etc., etc. So, if, you know, and and I just really want to, and we'll close out with prayer in a minute, but I really want to encourage you, if you find yourself on these checklists and realize that you're in child or infant level maturity, don't listen to Satan's condemnation telling you, well, how in the world could you be 50 years old and still a child? But instead recognize the opportunity that says, wow, I have the chance right now, the opportunity to pour directed energy in a community of people who care for me to grow to that next level that will allow me to be who God designed me to be. Because, you know, I don't care if you're at the infant, infant, infant level of maturity. God loves you beyond any way to describe. And he wants to meet you in that place and help you move through the process. Uh, Well, let's pray, and then we'll visit and go to lunch or whatever. Dear God, we do thank you for being our mighty God. And Lord, we thank you that you are always more focused on the relationship than the problem. That even the problem of sin, which could there be any bigger problem you handled by sending your son to be in relationship with us. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would grow each one of us in our understanding and our desire for joy and relational connection. And that you would be with the body of new hope over the next... You know, God, I just want to lift this up very specifically. Over the next nine months to a year. Because I see such an important emphasis right now, Lord, being placed on being together and sharing joy and learning in this rhythm of joy and quiet how to build our capacity and how to move into the specific tasks of maturity so that we can become who you've designed us to be, Lord. And so I pray especially, Lord, for you know, those who are thinking, oh, well, I don't know I have time, I don't, you know, how is this going to work, and, you know, all the questions and confusions we have, and, well, I did that, but I didn't get all that much out of it, so why would I do it again, and and just, Lord, I just pray that you would put it on our hearts and make it very clear to us what you are calling us to, and, Lord, if I've totally missed it, then I pray you show us that. But Lord, I, even as I'm talking this morning, I feel more and more clarity that this is the path that you want us on. And Lord, I pray for others that they could join us on this path because I, I see the need all around us in our recovery groups, in our community, really pretty much in every person I meet, Lord. So I pray, Lord, you'd bring others. I pray that you would give each of us the courage to invite those that we know need joy. And who doesn't need joy? And I pray, Lord, that you would use this time to just continue moving us forward and bringing greater healing and transformation in our lives. And Lord, I pray for a prayer of protection as I pass out these checklists. And I pray that you would just protect each one of us as we do these, that we would not be pummeled by Satan's condemnation. That we would recognize and remember that um, maturity level and value are totally disconnected. And that understanding our deficiency is a great opportunity because then we can see how to move forward. And so Lord, we just thank you for being our mighty God. And we just pray that you would go ahead of us and guide us as we leave this place. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.